If I put my tail weight against your throat, do you really think I would hurt you? I don't think you would do it on purpose, but I feel like maybe you would like fall forward. God. Wow. Oh. And the truth comes out. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Anamorphous Discussion, the only podcast that we sometimes record when I'm a little bit fussy. <laughs> that's actually, that's not true. No. We record a lot of podcasts when I'm fussy. It's a, <laughs> yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we record a lot of podcasts. <laughs> we do. <laughs> I'm your host, Robin, and I am joined today by my co-hosts, Jessica. Hey. And Katie Treggs. Hello. How how you two doing? How was your week? Good. It was good. I'm very Enough tired. Enough small talk. Okay. Yeah, back okay. Into the into the episode. <laughs> You're so right. <laughs> um, today we're talking about book eight, which is called The Alien. Nice. Does anyone? Well, no. I want to. I want to hear what happened in book seven first, and I want Katie to tell me because Jessica's been in charge of saying what happened last time for so long. Mm, it's true. Thank yeah. you for noticing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the last book was called The Stranger, and, Mm -hmm. um, it follows, uh, Rachel, um, and it starts off with Rachel, uh, joining the very prestigious International Elephant Police. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. (laughs) It was Uh, a rigorous application process. Yeah, yeah, a lot of, a lot of, uh, training montages, um, Yeah. She had to bring a trunk full of supporting documentation to get hired. <laughs> 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 and, the, and the pay is basically peanuts. Oh. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, things are going well. Um, excellent <laughs> uh, yeah so Rachel and her friend terrorized a uh, elephant trainer at the circus oh wait was it Cassie yeah Rachel and Cassie um, did that and then um, the, she, Rachel was feeling stressed out because her dad is moving so she turned into a bear because you know that's how you relieve stress um, mm-hmm. I get it. And <laughs> I think we all get it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we, they decided to try to go down into the Yerk pool and then, uh, Q from Star Trek showed up and mm-hmm, he, he mm-hmm. fucked everything up. Like he was like, I can stop time. I'm all powerful. Uh, I don't like the Yerks, but I'm not going to do anything about them. That's on you guys. Um, and the Animorphs yep. were like, oh, man, okay. And uh, then they figured out that the source of the Yerk radiation stuff that they need was at the top of this tower. So they rushed in there, and they, they fucked some shit up, and they destroyed it. And now uh, the book series is done, I think, right? Like, that was... Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> the Animorphs yeah. won, and uh, that was the end. Yeah. 
this book is basically just like the epilogue mm-hmm. to that. Yeah, that just makes sort sense. Of wrapping everything up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was that good? Was that way uh, too long? <laughs> <if you> remember... <laughs> no, that was perfect. I loved it. At the end of the last book, they destroyed what was called the Candrona. And then the LMS was like, BT Doves, there's a new one coming in three weeks. Oh. Peace. That's how the Elemist talks. I think I did a pretty good job doing my Elemist voice last time. <laughs> yeah. Basically exactly that. Seems right. Uh, so this book is called The Alien. I'm going to go ahead and put the cover of the book in this chat that we're sharing right now. Oh, nice. I was just about to, like, I typed it into Google but didn't press enter because I wanted ah! to wait for the, oh, my God. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck am I looking at? <laughs> What? I'm gonna throw out. He's kind of cute. No. Like it's terrifying, but also I'm into it. Oh, right. What? What is he turning into? An alien, Um, Jessica. I hate it. I hate everything about it. (laughs) I think he's actually turning into a human. Because this is this book is from Axe's perspective. Oh my god. I hate it. Now, this might be a tricky one because you don't have a lot of information, but can you tell me in 10 words or fewer what you think this book is about? Jessica, you first. It's about Axe and how dumb he is all the time. <laughs> Katie, rebuttal. <laughs> um, it's about... It doesn't have to be a rebuttal. You can just agree. Yeah, I think that's probably it. I think it's about Axe and how dumb he is all the time. Yeah, you're both so, right. So listen, here's the thing that I don't know if either of you actually know this about me. But when I was very, very young, I watched this horror movie, and I don't remember now, like, what horror movie it was, but I do remember that there was this really horrifying scene where, like, the character, like, something happened to their eyes, and their eyes were, like, too big, and it absolutely terrified me, and ever since, I've had this weird thing where, like, I hate it in horror movies when something happens with their eyes, because mm. there's always a thing where, like, their eyes are, like, too big, or they get, like, all melty and weird, and, like, it just fucks mm. me up. And so I'm just, like, staring at Axe's eyes right now, and it's really getting in my head. It's fucking me up big time. It's Well, here, let me help. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it's weird because one eye is more morphed than the other eye in Yeah, this that picture. will happen. Yeah, I mean, you can't. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's so but true. Especially not Axe. This is a little bit worse picture, but this is the original book cover. Oh, I've seen this one. Oh, that one's not as bad. I've, that one is much, much less disturbing. But see, to me. one more time, if you zoom in on that middle boy, that's not where you want to be. Real weird. Yeah, look, no. I like how he still has that dorky belt. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the last thing to go from his human form. It's that dorky belt. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that's how it always is. The, the dorkiest parts of you stay till the end. <laughs> DNA works, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, damn it. I just remember that the freaking Andalites eat by crushing up food and sucking it up through their hooves, and I hate it. I hate it all over again. I think you mean hooves. <laughs> also, that's kind of the big mystery of this uh, book. I, I'm sorry to have spoiled it so many episodes ago, but the Animorphs don't know how Axe eats oh with no God. mouth, and they're all too embarrassed to ask him. Because they think it'll be rude. <laughs> I'm gonna throw out that the other day, because Sam has read Animorphs, but he doesn't bring it up that much. But now that he knows that I know things about Animorphs, the floodgates have fucking opened. Apparently, oh my and God, yes. Nez. Do you like, mean the Apple Gates? Some, like, 
I'm oh sorry. Oh my god. I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nez, our dog, like stepped in like something. It was like some kind of food or something. And Sam was like, she doesn't eat through her feet. She's not an Andalite. <laughs> and, and now we're divorced. That's the end of that story. <laughs> Also, I was talking to someone about Animorphs the other day, because um, I told her that I do this podcast, and she she read them also when she was younger, and she was reminding me of a specific book where some stuff happens that I don't want to spoil, but she was like, yeah, this and this, and I'm like, oh yeah, with these creatures, and blah blah blah, and she's like, yeah, I think it was book 26. Oh my god. That, that was- <laughs> Why <laughs> isn't she these- on this podcast? That was the one where these two yeah. had their first kiss, and I felt so fucking vindicated for remembering book numbers for things, like- <laughs> You need to get her on this podcast. What are what are we doing here? <laughs> but the whole- Seriously. The whole premise of the podcast is I'm teaching you about Animorphs. She already knows it all. I mean, she, we got to get her on as a guest at some point, though, because that's like, that's, that's intense. Yeah, I'll talk to her about it. <laughs> I, bet, I bet she'd like that. Or hate it? I don't know. I don't think she listens to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she doesn't need to. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, and she's the only one. I think we're blown up. Mm, I think agreed. so, too. Everyone else is listening to Anamorphous discussion. <laughs> I agree. It's the biggest thing since sliced bread. <laughs> I don't have a, I didn't have a good comparison, so yeah. I went with the classic. Also, I'm just eating bread through your feet. Cut on. Eating slices of bread through your feet. <laughs> okay, so this is about Axe, and it's from Axe's perspective, and it begins in the past mm-hmm. on the dome ship when they get out of the space and come into view of Earth, and. Axe is like, oh, Elfangor, I want to go down to the planet with you and do all this cool stuff. And Elfangor's like, maybe someday, Axe And then uh, it's like, oh no, the Yurks are attacking. We've got bug fighters everywhere. And then they're fighting and Elfangor runs to his fighter and he makes Axe go to the dome where he would be safe. And Axe felt really bad because he was going to be the only cadet. Oh, I should also mention, this is the book where we get a lot of Andalite vocabulary. Mm. Are you ready? Hold on, I have a request. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I just thought of it as you were, like, describing what happened with the space battle, because it very much reminded me of Ant-Man, when the one friend was, like, trying to relay the story, and he was, like, getting so excited. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. And they did, like, the, it was his voice over, like, all the other actors, and it was, like, yeah. incredible. Like, the best scene of Ant-Man mm. and possibly any oh, Marvel sure. superhero currently. Uh-huh. Uh, and I just, like, I would, I, my request is that you do this entire book like that. Oh, I really thought your request was going to be that I not sully that scene by oh. <laughs> in a similar fashion. Wow. How shitty have I been to you on this show <laughs> that that's what you thought my request was going to be? I really thought you were going to be like, I would really like for you not to be reminding me of this scene right now when we're hearing about Axe being an idiot. Please and thank you. I don't think I can maintain that level of excitement and uh detachment and like incredibleness <laughs> of incredible i can't be that incredible i mm. listen i'm awesome mm. so anyway they're on the ship 
And Axe is thinking to himself, like, oh, man. Oh, so, sorry, vocabulary. That's what I was talking about. Uh, Axe. Ooh, another yeah. request. Sorry. New segment. You tell us the vocabulary, and maybe we try to guess what it is. Mm, I, I like would that. love that. <laughs> I would love that. The word is arith. Arith. <laughs> That reminds me immediately regret this idea. I, I think it's a very specific kind of chair. Okay. What like kind a of chair, chair only Ooh. for like a very particular situation. Like I can't think of what situation it would come in handy, but it's got to be like a weird chair for like those weird andalite butts. Right. Yeah. Like when you have a centaur body and a scorpion tail, yeah. you can't sit in normal chairs. But I mean like sense. even past that, it's like, it's like made for andalites, but only when andalites are like about to eject the dome ship or something like something suit like only you would only use it in like one particular situation yeah that makes sense katie do you Mm. want to go with that too or did you have a different guess for what it might be i think it is a uh local brand of snack food Mm. that Mm -hmm. is easily stomped that's really good that's a good answer that's good like cheetos right but like for feet (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you can, st- I, Cheetos are very easily stomped. Have you ever accidentally stepped on a Cheeto? That's your whole day, cleaning that shit up. <laughs> Maybe just me. It gets stuck to my shoes. Anyway, because I don't eat through my feet like an andalite. <laughs> While those are both excellent guesses, you are incorrect. An artist is a warrior cadet, which is mm. what Axe is. He's still in training. To be a warrior, but he's not one yet, so he has to obey his prince, Elfangor, who's also his brother, and... So, like, once they reach warrior status, do they not have to obey the prince? No, they do. Okay. There's actually a bit about that later on, but I'll, I'll get to that uh, mm. when it comes up. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. e- basically, mm. everyone obeys someone in Andalite hierarchy. Oh, it's just Andalites all the way down. It's just Andalites all the way down. Andalites and turtles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so Axe is, like, really upset, and he's like, at the end of this battle, Alfangor's gonna be an even bigger hero, and I'm just gonna be his little brother who, you know, gets overlooked, because Alfangor's a big hero. Wait, he's thinking that in the middle of the battle? Yeah. I thought it he was... He doesn't have better stuff to be doing in that moment? <laughs> no, because he's, he's getting sent to the dome ship. He's the only Arist on... Or, to the dome part of the dome ship. He's the only Arist on the ship. Man... Just for a, a brief aside, I really wish K.A. Applegate had known that this podcast was going to happen and that someone with a bad lisp was going to be the one saying all these <laughs> words and would have, like, made it a little better for me specifically. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that is classic K.A. Applegate, not thinking about Robin. Hmm. Not thinking about Robin, which is crazy because I'm pretty sure everyone is thinking about Robin all the time. Mm, it's true. I know I am. Yeah, for oh, sure. Thank you. You too. So, um, the blade ship shows up, the dome has to be detached for maneuverability, but they're, they're too late, the blade ship blows up the dome ship, and, uh, the dome crashes into the ocean, and Axe keeps crying out for his brother to save him, if he still lived, and then he finds out about the Animorphs when they rescue him. So that's the, kind of the prologue. Oh my god, that's still just the beginning? That's chapter one, or chapter negative one. I forgot if it was an actual prologue or not. A lot of these chapters also start with um, highlights from Axe's Earth Diary, because he's decided to become an expert on humans. (laughs) Adorable. Since 
Okay. And yeah. but he's great so, at it. Oh, he's so good at it. <laughs> mm, I'm so, so sure. Much like how every book starts with them doing something stupid, this one is no exception. They, the Animorphs, are taking Axe to a movie. Sure. And it's all being planned out very carefully. He's going to morph, they're going to go to the mall, he's going to sit with Jake and Marco, he can watch the first hour of the movie, and then they have to leave. Rachel and Cassie will be standing by, he can do an emergency demorph in the dressing room at Nordstrom. Rachel says, because the rooms are like really big and roomy. Uh, not spawned by Nordstrom, by the way. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just, you know, just a great dressing room. I assume. <laughs> Never been. Been to the Walmart dressing room. That's basically oh, the same not. as a Nordstrom dressing room. I think I think mm-hmm. so, yeah. Um, and so it's all good. So they go and they're sitting in the movie theater and Marco hands Axe some popcorn and he loves it. Loves it, loves it, loves it. <laughs> and he he sa- he says like, "Oh, it tastes of this wonderful flavor uh, of." And they they tell him uh, like grease and salt. He's like, grease, salt. Um, and then <laughs> oh, he's still doing that. He's, he's still, still doing that. Now. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Okay, cute. <laughs> grease. <laughs> oh, and we find out actually, Jessica. For your benefit, I don't remember exactly where this is in the book, but I'll just let you know. Uh, they talk a little bit about when Axe was Jake, or Axe talks a little bit about Finally. it. Finally, oh nice. Uh, he's <laughs> Axe says, "Oh man, let me find it." Okay, I'm gonna read it verbatim to you. Once for two days, I had to morph Prince Jake and pretend to be him. I was successful in fooling his parents and brother, although I later learned that his parents believed he had become mentally ill. When the real Prince Jake returned, they took him to see a doctor. Wow. (laughs) Oh, he did so good. He did such a good job. Anyway, uh, Axe tries to eat the whole box of popcorn, including the box, and they have to stop him. And then... He notices on the floor that there's more popcorn. And so he gets down on his hands and knees and he eats that popcorn. And then he sees these little brown globules. No. He calls them globules. And so he eats them too. And his mind is blown by how delicious they are. Mm. No. So then he starts. Wait, what are they? uh, It turns out they were raisinets. Oh my God, I'm so good at that. Raisinets. Yeah. Uh, and then he crawls along the floor eating more candy that he finds. And then he sees a little boy holding a box of the globules. And he's like, I must have them, but it would be rude to just take them. And so he says, please give me your globules. He just oh, keeps saying it. Don't say that <laughs> to a kid. Is happening right now? <laughs> yeah, it's during the movie. It is during the <laughs> film. And then he hears Jake and Marco say, what happened to Axe? And then they hustle him out of there. Uh, and they're laughing at how ridiculously alien he is. Because ah, it's called The Alien. Oh, now I get it. Oh, yeah, sorry. The alien in the title refers to Axe. Oh. <laughs> so, like, I thought it was going to be a lobster again. <laughs> it's usually a lobster, but in this specific case, it's Axe. <laughs> So, like, that whole time he was crawling on the ground eating 
food off the movie theater floor, they didn't notice that he wasn't next to them. They did not. You'd think they would have sat with him between the two of them, but no. You would think that. You would think that. Um, Anyway, they come out of the movie theater and they're kind of chuckling about how silly it was. And then they see this guy kind of coming towards them and raving and saying, They're here! They're here, everyone! The Yurks are here! They're invading! And... He seems like a like a crazy person, except that he's saying things that, you know, they know are true. And they realize that his yerk is dying of Candrona starvation. Oh. Nice. And Jake is very excited. He was like, I thought this would be happening weeks ago because, you know, they had to, they only had the Candrona aboard the mothership. They, you know, we've been waiting and waiting for this because this takes place, obviously, a couple weeks after the Candrona was destroyed. Um, Axe and the other Animorphs are getting excited. Uh, paramedics rush to the scene because obviously someone called 911 because this guy's going crazy and clawing at his ear until his until his head is bleeding. Uh, oh. and, and then he yanks, he, he gets the edge of the yerk and starts pulling it out. And, there's, and no. there's some people on the side who are like, oh my god, is he pulling out his brain? And all of the animals are really excited. They're like, yes, this is going to keep happening. Like, maybe... Uh. People won't believe one person, but maybe, you know, when 10, 20, 50 people are all, are all telling the same story about the Yerks, they're going to have to take notice. The Yerks won't be able to cover that up, etc. And Axe knows that they're wrong, but he mm. can't say it. Uh, Wait, why does he know that they're wrong? He knows that they're wrong because he knows how the Yerks operate. And as the cops are like, everyone clear the scene, blah, 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 and they're, they're leaving, he sees one of the cops pull this, like, small steel cylinder out of his pocket and push it to the guy's neck mm. the raping guy and the guy goes limp and they hustle him into the ambulance and Axe knows that both he and the Yurk are dead oh um, wow but he doesn't tell the others he can't for reasons oh cause it's one of those secret Andalite things that he's not allowed to tell anyone even though it would really help and there's no reason at this point mm. for him to keep these things secret anymore Jessica is correct mm. Jessica usually <laughs> is Jessica usually is. Yeah. That's very upsetting. It's very upsetting. Uh, so, uh, let me, let me give you guys, or let me give you two another vocabulary word. This word is shorm. (laughs) It's what? Shorm. Shorm. One more time. Um, Shorm? Like. Shorm. S-H-O-R-M. Uh, is it, is it like a a fanciful headpiece? Hmm. Is interesting. it is it the weapon that was in the last scene? Oh, good good guess. Good guesses for both of you. You're both wrong. <laughs> oh. Uh, sometimes Axe, who Axe lives in the forest, and Tobias lives in the forest, and they spend a lot of time kind of bonding now that you know they're both sort of separate from their people. And cut off and and feeling alien, and sometimes. Uh, Axe, oh, ah. sorry. I thought this was gonna be more the alien thing. Sometimes Axe thinks that he and Tobias could be true Shorm. A oh, shorm some is sort a, of weird bond thing. It's a deep friend, someone you never lie to, who knows all your secrets. Oh. But they can never be true Shorm because Axe has to keep these secrets. 
Also, the literal meaning of the word shorm is tail blade, because it means someone who you trust so much that they could put their tail blade against your throat and you wouldn't even worry about it. Hmm. You two are both my true shorm. Aw, you're my shorm. Yeah. Aw. You're both my shorm except for the tail blade thing. I don't want your tail blade. <laughs> if I put my tail blade against your throat, do you really think I would hurt you? I don't think you would do it on purpose, but I feel like maybe you would like fall forward. God. Wow. Oh. <laughs> and the truth comes out. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, I'm just going to hit you with another vocab word because I'm too mad to tell you the rest of the story right now. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> this, is, this is an easy one. Anyone can get this one. The word is nothlib. Nothlib? Nothlib. N-O-T-H-L-I-T. Jessica, you better not be Googling this. Oh, I'm not. Oh, good. It, nothlib. Uh, is it a... <laughs> Noth. N O T H L I T, not lit. Not lit. Lit. Okay. <laughs> um, in fact, Katie, go first. I think first. it means like a like a, a your uh, it's like an adjective describing um, like a like a mega hottie. Like, oh, they, <laughs> they're not lit. <laughs> I like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, I think it's a, either a secret or a traitor. Excellent guesses once again. You two are very good at guessing. Both of you are wrong. Yeah, obviously. Not for lack of trying. I mean, a little bit probably for lack of trying. (laughs) Tobias is a nothlet. It means a person who's trapped in a morph. Mm. Sad. Yep. Anyway, uh, Axe lives in the woods. He does morning rituals involving... So... Uh-huh. Sorry. I'm going to be very upset if, like, one of Axe's secrets is, like, how you can undo that. <laughs> like, <laughs> actually, like, Axe knows how you cannot be that anymore. Anyway, go on. Uh, Axe says he's constantly wondered when Tobias would ask him the question if there's any way that he can get out of that morph, but he hasn't oh yet. Oh, my God. Yeah. So Axe hasn't volunteered the information. But I think it's pretty clear that Tobias is stuck. <laughs> by the end of the book okay. by the end l- let me just say this. By the end of the book, if Axe hasn't told Tobias how to undo that morph stick thing, then there's no way to do it. Hmm. Anyway. So he's gonna tell him how to do it by the end of the book, is what you're saying. No, what I'm saying is that, like, by the end of the book, their relationship is such that if Tobias didn't tell him how to not be a Nothlet anymore, th- it would be a real dick move. And the truth is probably that there's no way not to be a Nothlet anymore. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm sorry. I phrased that very confusingly. Where was I? Axe lives in the woods. Did I say that a few times already? <laughs> Did I say that enough? It's my favorite thing about Axe, so I don't know that you can say it enough. Okay, perfect. Part of his morning ritual involves... uh you know, giving thanks and talking about the service he'll do to for the people and dipping a hoof in the water and saying, like, from the water that quenches us or something and from the grass that feeds us and all this stuff. And he crushes a little bit of grass beneath his hoof. Uh, so now he's experiencing another fun 
human activity, he's going to go to school and try out what it's like to be in school with the Animorphs. So he morphs his human form and is, um, Jake says, this is my cousin, Philip, from out of state, who's just sort of like hanging out <laughs> with me today. His name's Philip. And the and... school just allows that? Yeah, apparently, I, I, like, Jake comes into class and he's like, hey, Mr. Pardue, this is my cousin, Philip. He's gonna, he's just hanging out with me today. Is it okay if he sits here? And Mr. Pardue's like, just, yeah, go, sit. And so they go and sit down. And Mr. Pardue is having some problems. So just really quickly, another aside before you get into this. So they decide to name Axe Philip instead of something closer to his name, like Max, to ensure that yeah. he'd actually, like, answer if someone is like, hey, Philip. And he's going to yep. be like, who's some weird uh, Philip person that you're talking yep. about? Okay, just making sure that I have everything <laughs> correct. Yeah, no, you got it. At one point, actually, um, they see Marco and Rachel in the hallways and... You know, they're not supposed to act like they hang out too much outside. He's like, oh, hey, Mar- hey Marco and Rachel, this is my cousin, Philip. And Max is like, yes, I am Prince Jake's cousin, Philip. Lip. Yeah, I was going to say, Philip's a very fun mouth word. It's <laughs> a fun mouth word. Philip. <laughs> mouth word. Oh, I don't like that. Max is also a fan of the sound ing. Ing. Going. Anyway. <laughs> so they're in class and uh mr pardue is clearly having problems sometimes he seems normal and then other times he's like talking to himself and he's saying and 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 he says like stop it you'll damage our body and that he's scratching at his head whoa and he's saying get out of me and they realize that he's a controller whose yerk is dying uh and one of the kids rushes out to call you know 911 or to get someone in authority to get an adult and Jake runs up to the teacher and he whispers to him, like, Mr. Purdue, it's okay, you can fight this. I was a controller for three days. I was I was a controller for a while too, and now I'm free again. You can get out of this. It's it's gonna be okay. Mm. Because Jake doesn't know that they're killing people. Uh, oh. so and then Oh man, that would have been such helpful information for him to have. Yeah. And meanwhile, Axe is like, Why is Jake doing this? That's like, anyone can hear him say that. He's, I mean, he's speaking quietly, but Axe is like, everyone stay back, there may be danger, and it seems to work. So, nice. crisis averted, sort of, until Chapman comes in. Mm. Chapman mm. is the assistant principal, who's a very high-ranking controller. Oh, yeah! So yeah. basically, like, all these teachers are controllers, right? Like, at least the vice principal is a controller, he probably recruited all them people. I mean, yeah, if the, if the assistant principal and the English teacher are controllers, I can't imagine anyone else in the school is not a controller. That's a really good point. <laughs> um, so Chapman comes in, he makes everyone get out of the room. He's like, go, you know, go to your next class or go to some somewhere. Mr. Purdue is sick. I'm going to take care of him. And just before they leave, uh, Axe and Jake see Chapman pull a silver cylinder from his pocket and press it against Mr. Purdue's neck and Mr. Purdue goes limp. And Ugh. now Jake realizes that they're killing people. Mm-hmm. And he also realizes, based on Axe's reaction, that Axe knew they would do that. Mm. And he's like, why didn't you tell us that this was one of the risks? Like, why didn't you warn us about this? And he's like, do you think this is the first world that the Yerks have done this on? Like, I don't know, they have kind of an argument. Uh, and Jake is like, you know, some Marco and Rachel... Are, all, are a little bit suspicious of you, Axe, but I told them, no, we can trust Axe. Let's, 
you know, we'll show him our our world and take him in and be his friend and he'll help us fight the Yurks and, you know, and now you have to find out that you're keeping secrets like this from me. I can't, I can't believe this. And Axe goes back to the woods and is sad. Sure. And the next, mm. the next day, Marco asks him to hang out. So they go to, they're going to go to a bookstore to get um, a book. No way. You know? Yeah. Is that what you get at bookstores? Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> and then um, Marco says, I told Jake I could cleverly weasel all the information out of you, but he said, no, Axe is a friend. Show him we have nothing to hide. Maybe he'll finally decide to trust us. So Axe feels very guilty for continuing not to tell them all the secrets that the Andalites know. And... They're about to go to the bookstore when Marco pats his pockets and realizes, ah, he left the money for the books at home. So they have to run to his house real quick. And his dad is working from home today and he's on his home computer. And just don't act weird around my dad, Axe, please. I'm just going to be two seconds. And they get in there and he's like, listen, if my dad comes in and talks to you, just say yes and no. Only give yes and no answers. Okay, got it? Oh, I remember this. Yeah. And Axe is like, yeah, I got it. And then he sees, uh, while he's, like, waiting in the living room, he sees the computer with no one at it. And he looks at it and he's like, oh, it's a, it's a game. And he, like, to, to correct the errors in this, in this series of instructions. And so he really quickly corrects it and says to himself, I win. And then Marco's dad comes in and they have the following conversation where he asks, like, Marco's dad is like, are you one of Marco's friends? And Axe says, yes. What's your name? No, I answered. Your name is No? Yes. That's an unusual name, isn't it? No. It's not? <laughs> yes. Yes, it's not an unusual name? No. Now I'm totally confused. Yes. Who's on first? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then um and then he's like, uh, Marco, your friend is here. Your friend No is here. And Marco comes down, and he's like, Oh dad, you met my friend. And Marco's father's like, No? And Marco's like, What? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then they go to the bookstore, uh, and Axe gets a book. He gets the World Almanac, and also uh, I think he just gets a World Almanac so he can read about human achievements and stuff. Um, and then one night he's feeding in the field near Cassie's barn. He has to run at night to feed so that people don't see him. Uh, and then he sort of gets lost in thought and realizes when he snaps out of it that he got closer than he meant to to Cassie's barn and Cassie's like well you might as well come in for dinner now because she was running out as a horse to like clear her mind sure oh nice yeah and Axe is like oh thanks but I've already eaten and Cassie's like how did actually (laughs) it's okay you can still come in and say hi to my dad or whatever and he's like how are you gonna introduce me to your parents and she's like well you've morphed Jake before right just be Jake so he morphs into Jake and uh, she gives him some overalls to wear and Cassie's parents love Jake. And they're like, oh, Jake, so good to see you. And Cassie's mom gives him a big hug. And they sit down to dinner. And Cassie's dad has made, like, nuclear chili. Like, super the hottest habanero chili in the world. And <laughs> Axe is like, oh, <laughs> Cassie's like, oh, Axe has already eat or Jake's already eaten. So he, I think he was just wanted to say hi. And he's like, nonsense, he can have a little bit of chili. And then Axe feels bad not eating the chili, so he has the chili. And then he says, like, 
it was the most intense experience I've ever had. I, I realized I'd eaten the whole bowl and I needed more and my stomach was complaining a lot, but I still wanted to eat more. And then um, eventually Cassie kicks him under the table and he gets the message and stops. And then they sit down with her parents on the couch and watch some TV because Cassie's trying to like show him they, I don't know, trust him or that he can be like he's safe around them or something. Anyway, and then he has a, a gastrointestinal event. Then he has a gastrointestinal event, and the book ends with a terrible explosion. <laughs> no, so she gives him a book of quotations, and then some quotations end up in his diary, which is so good. The next day, the actual plot really kicks in. Everyone comes to find Axe in the woods, and Marco starts yelling at him, saying, What did you do to my dad's computer? And Axe is like, I don't understand. And he's like, what did you do? What what were you doing? Why did you touch his computer? It's like, oh, it was a game. I was playing a game on the computer. Oh, I get it. Your dad designs games for children. And (laughs) Marco gets very angry because his dad was working on software for the new observatory for the radio telescope. And uh, Axe has basically launched uh, human technology ahead like a hundred years (laughs) <laughs> um, and Marco had to like talk his dad down to, to convince him that um, that it was just an accident and that no is an idiot and not the next Einstein <laughs> um, and then Axe realizes based on what when they tell him what a radio telescope does which I obviously know what it does so I, sure. I feel like we all know like mm-hmm. we all know how radio telescopes work so I don't need to really go yeah, into that yeah, yeah. anyway cool uh, Axe realizes that with the changes he made to the software, he could use that system to send messages through Z space and communicate with his own world. Oh, nice. Phone home. He doesn't tell the, an- the Animorphs that, though. Of course not. That would oh, be entirely too reasonable. No. And also he realizes he has to destroy this technology because he'd broken Andalite law by giving it to the humans. Uh, mm. oh, this happened actually before the Cassie thing. It doesn't really matter. And Axe talks to Tobias... Because he, he's, he decides he's got to go to the observatory and destroy that stuff. But it wouldn't be so bad if he just, right before destroying it, sent a quick message to the Andalite homeworld. Maybe saw his parents once or t- like one more time and told them that Alfangor was dead and that he was still fighting. And just to see another Andalite face. That wouldn't be so bad, right? I mean, of course it would. He would for yeah. sure get caught. Like, some nonsense would go down for sure. But also, wouldn't his parents be proud of him to know that he's still fighting against the Yerks? I mean, for sure, this is going to, like, fuck everything up. Like, (laughs) we can all just agree on that, right? I don't know what could possibly go wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, he talks to Tobias, and he asks if... First, he's like, Tobias, are you my friend? And Tobias is like, of course I'm your friend. Absolutely. After everything we've been through together, you don't even have to ask. Of course I'm your friend. And Axe is, like, a little surprised at how quickly Tobias answered. And then he's like, "Would you keep? will you keep a secret, even from Prince Jake, even from Rachel? And Tobias says, <laughs> is it something that would hurt my friends? And he says, no. And then Tobias is like, then I would keep a secret, I swear. And so he and Tobias go together to the observatory to do... Axe doesn't tell him what he's going to do, but it's the, Tobias keeps calling it whatever it is you're doing. And the, it, uh, Axe is about to fly in, and he's like... And he's he's like, I should only need about 20 minutes. And Tobias is like, two. And Axe is like, do whatever it is that I'm doing. <laughs> uh, so he goes, his plan is to 
demorph from his bird of prey morph and then morph into human really quickly uh, to while he's doing the software stuff. And then he's like, but, you know, maybe he, all the people are at a meeting in another room and he can sort of barely hear Tobias say, keeping an eye on them. So he knows, so the, like, the observatory part with the computers is empty. So he he's decides he's just going to morph, he's going to stay in Andalite. Because it's very tiring, and if he has to de- if if he has to demorph and then remorph again to get back into his bird form, it's going to be even more tiring. And so he decides to risk staying as an Andalite. And also, when he calls his homeworld, he wants his parents to see his face and not the face of a human that he created, basically. Okay. So he calls his homeworld, and he ends up talking to a uh, uh, important prince. And now are so, now you are gonna get some Andalite names. <laughs> now we all know Axmili Escaroth is still obviously. Uh, so listen, I'm definitely listening, and like I'm uh-huh. way into this. But just like as you describe this, I'm gonna like get online and pay my parking ticket. Yeah, that's fine. That makes sense. <laughs> um, and and of course, his brother, who we've also met, Elfangor Serenial Shamtul. Uh, and then he says, I'm the son of Norlin Serenial Korath and Forlay okay. Eskaroth Mahin. Okay. So that's Axe's family. Cute. Good uh, fam. Yeah. He's talking to, I did not highlight the person that he's actually talking to at this point, but then that person leaves and the head of the council comes on because uh, Axe says that he's fighting the Yurks with the help of humans who can morph. And he said, and it's like humans who morph, and how did humans come by this technology? And X says, it was given to them by Elfangor. And the guy's like, <gasps> and then he leaves and gets Lyrim Arapoth Terus, head of the council, <laughs> veteran of more battles than I could count. And uh, Axe is explaining, like, Elfangor did what he thought was right. And Lyrim's like, we never do what we think is right. We did that once before. And do you remember the name of the prince who did that, who thought that he would take pity on a species that was uh that was backwards but intelligent and he said yes prince Ciro, and that's why they have the law of Ciro's kindness and then uh lyrum says so axe your brother was a hero and everyone like knows his name everyone know- knew what a hero he was before even before that battle where he ended up Dying and to hear that their hero had dishonored them himself in such a way would be devastating. And people need heroes right now, so there can be no forgiveness for a prince who breaks the laws, unlike an Arith. So think again: was it Elfangor who gave the technology to the humans? <gasps> oh, dang! And X says. No, I gave the technology to the humans, and he's like, "Well, in this case, I forgive you." Because you were young and uh, far from home and the only Andalite left and it can be, you know, this is acceptable, although still horribly dishonorable. (laughs) And then X's dad appears really quickly on the screen and his dad is like, and he tells his dad that Elfangor died and it's like, and does this killer still live? And X is like, yes. And his dad's like, and are you prepared to take on, to, to kill your brother's murderer? And Axe is like, yes. And it's like, excellent. How are you doing? And Axe is like, I miss you. And then the screen goes blank. And then someone behind Axe says, I'm sorry, but you were breaking my heart. I just had to cut you off. And he turns around and there's a controller holding a dragon beam pointing at Axe. 
Of course. Of course. And it's like, as soon as I saw the technology, I knew that it was an Andalite. Uh, and I knew that you would be using this to communicate with the Andalite homeworld. And Axe is like, you got me. Here I am. <laughs> and the guy's like, uh, now I want to talk to you. And Axe is like, talk all you want. You're holding the gun. And then the Yurk puts the gun down and kicks it away. What? And he says, listen, you and I have something in common. We both had someone that we loved who's dead now. And they were killed by the same person. Visor 3. Oh. And he explains that when the Andalites destroyed the Candrona, Visor 3 moved quickly. He said everyone would survive, but he lied. There were too many Yurks, not enough Candrona rays. So he shuttled important controllers up to the ship, his personal favorites, people in important positions, like this Yurk who's in, you know, an important position at the observatory. But others, like his true love, Doreen, did not, weren't important enough. And didn't get the Kendra. Oh my god, wait, Yurks fall in love and have like relationships with each other? Yup. Aw. Yep. So is is this your brother is dead, and so is the one creature in all the galaxy that I cared about. Her name was Doraine 344. And then they were both killed by <laughs> Yeah, Yurk names are just That's a pretty a, name. A name with <laughs> <and> three numbers. <laughs> this Yurk is named Eslin something. I didn't write it down. But his he goes by Eslin. Uh, his human name is Gary. I didn't write that down. I just remembered it. Um, so they find out that Visor 3, you know, had saved as many Yurks as he could, but there had been more deaths that they hadn't seen. And, uh, but this Eslin, this Yurk, had sabotaged one of the shuttles and it threw off the feeding schedule, says so that some of the Visor's friends are also starving and dying like Doreen did to get, you know his small revenge, but he wants Visor 3 dead. Nice. And he knows that Visor 3 has an Andalite body, and he still feeds like an Andalite. Which Axe knows means that he runs around crushing grass beneath his hooves. Mm. Uh, and now that <laughs> and he, and uh, Eslin gives him a piece of paper. Tobias is there too. Tobias flew down when uh, Eslin was pointing the gun at Axe and tried to like scratch up Eslin and steal the gun, but it didn't work. But Tobias is just like chilling there too sure listening to it all and eslin gives yeah. acts a piece of paper saying where and when visor three is going to be feeding like an andalite and then acts then they fly away and acts knows that like no matter what visor three is has the body of a full-grown andalite warrior and there's no way that acts can go against him and live but because of honor and because he knows where visor three is going to be feeding there's also no way that he cannot go and try to kill him. And there's also no way that he can tell the Animorphs what's going on because Ugh. of Andalite shit. Because of Ciro's kindness. Which gets So I have a question mentioned a real lot. quick. Yeah. D- did the Yurk also hear the whole conversation that like the humans have morphing powers? No, he only heard like the last couple minutes when Axe was talking to his dad. Okay. Yeah. Also... Thought speak can be directed. It doesn't matter. The point is, he only heard the last couple minutes, so he didn't hear the humans part. He still thinks that all the and all the morphers are Andalite bandits. Um, okay. And then there's a meeting in the barn, uh, and Axe realizes that they called the meeting because Tobias is still dragging around a strip of bloody T-shirt that he tore off of Eslin, 
and he won't tell them where he was or how or how that happened. And they're like, "We, you need to talk to us, Axe, or we can't trust you. And he said, I can't. There's a law against giving aliens our technology, and part of that law is that we can't explain why. And then they're like, oh, it's because you don't want humans to get, to have any power. It's all about keeping it for yourselves. And then Cassie's like, no, it's about shame, isn't it? And guilt. Because when you were talking to me the other night, you said that every species has guilt. And then Jake is like, what did you do to be so guilty of? And Axe is like, I can't say. And and Jake is like, well, then I, th I guess this is it, Axe. And Axe is like, it is. You don't know this, but we wouldn't have been together much longer anyway. Because he knows that he was going to die. Wait, the Axe is going to die? Axe knows that he would that he would have died, that he was going to die facing Wither 3. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, here's, here's a quote that Axe wrote down in his diary. It says, you can't always get what you want. But if you, if you try, try sometimes, sometimes, you, you might just, just might find, find you might find oh, no. you get what you need. You get what you need. A famous human named Rolling Stone said that. I thought wow. it was very wise for a human. Incredible. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Uh, Axe explains briefly to Tobias how everyone in Andalite culture has someone above them. It says, each warrior has a prince, each prince a war prince, each war prince has a great leader, and each great leader must be elected by the people as a whole. So everyone's answerable to someone. And uh, he won't tell Tobias where he's going or what his plan is. And What's the name of the law again? Ciro's Kindness. Can I guess that the Andalite that Visor 3 is inside of is Ciro? You can guess that. Hmm. Is that wrong? I will tell you momentarily. <laughs> okay. You will find out momentarily. That's a really oh, good I'll guess. I bet that's true. Also, earlier, um, like, way early in the book, Axe got attacked by a rattlesnake, and it tried to bite him, but it, you know, got his hoof instead of his flesh, and he pins it with his tail, and then he decides to acquire it, which, that's what I'm saying. Like, why not do mm -hmm. that? Yeah. Like, seriously. Anytime there's an animal near you, acquire it. And Tobias is like, why would you want to yeah. become a snake? It's like, I don't have very many morphs yet, and this one seems good. So Axe goes to the field where he knows that Visor 3 will be in an hour to feed, and he morphs into the snake and he waits. By the way, an animal fact, when he morphs into a snake, uh, he says, Just below and behind my snake nostrils were two pits that sensed heat, especially the levels of yeah. heat put off by prey. Animal fact. Did not <laughs> know that previously. Yeah, they can sense infrared. It's yeah. Dope. So, um, Visor 3 comes, and he starts running, and he goes to the stream, and Axe strikes, and he pumps all of his venom into him. Meanwhile, Visor 3, when he got there, he had these Horkbajir guards, but he was like, he was like, spread out, look for, you know, threats, and then he's feeding, and then Axe, um, you know, bites him, and then he's, Visor 3 is like, get him! I can't, I'm full of poison, so I can't. But someone get that snake. There's a snake. Kill it. And Axe is slithering away while demorphing into Andalites so that he can run back and finish the job before Visor 3 can, you know, get healed. Um, mm. And he sees a Hork-Bajir running at him. And he knows that this is it. The, he is, like, halfway morphed. He doesn't have his tail. He doesn't have anything. The, the and then is a all the Animorphs weapon. come and save him. And then the Horpajir yep. is swept aside by a giant grizzly bear, and it's yeah. Rachel, and then a tiger drops out of a tree on another one, and basically all the animorphs come and fuck everyone up. Yeah, obviously. And nice. They and he's like, 
what? How did you even? And Tobias is like, oh, please, that controller wrote it down. I could, I have hawk's eyes. I can see a flea on a cat from a hundred feet away. You think I couldn't read that note? And, Amazing. Yeah. Animal fact. Animal fact. And Tobias is like, also, I thought about what you were saying about how everyone should answer to someone. And Jake, I guess Jake is my prince too. So I had to tell him because that's what princes are for. So they go to the Andalite to where Visitor 3 is dying. And then Tobias is like, no! And he swoops down and then back up. And he says, the yerk crawled out of his head and got into the water. And I can't get him. <laughs> so now there's an Andalite dying of venom on the ground. And Can't he, he morph and then morph again? He, he could. Um, and do you know what that Andalite's name was? Zero. His name is Aloran Semeter Koras. It was not Ciro. (laughs) That would have made so much sense for, like, the reason they don't want to be kind or, like, do the thing is because, like, Ciro did it to the Yerks. And that's how the Yerk got an Andalite body. That's that's what I thought it was going to be. I guess I was wrong. I guess you were. Except not. (laughs) Wait till we find out about Ciro's kindness in a few minutes. Um, So, he's... uh, Aloran begs Axe to kill him. Because he's like, and Axe is like, I think I might have already killed you with the venom. It's like, no, there's a backup ship. There's a backup ship that'll come. They'll keep this body alive. They'll get the yerk back and put him back inside me. And I am too weak. He tries to like bring his own tail to his throat, but he's too weak to do it. And Axe is like, I I can't. I can't kill you. Like, you're helpless and you're not the evil yerk visitor three. You're just some guy who, you know, whatever. He won't do it. And Aloran's like, fine, whatever. Be that way. But uh, he says, someday if you survive, I have a wife. I have two children. Someday, tell them I still hope. Tell them I still have love for them. And Axe is like, I'll do so, Prince Aloran. He was once a war prince. Anyway, then Axe realizes that he can trust the Animorphs and he's going to tell them everything. And he tells them about the law of Ciro's kindness. Ciro was an Andalite prince way back, like, a hundred years ago. Maybe more. I didn't get a good timeline on this, but... Like, he was Lyrum. The guy that Axe talked to on the space phone was Lyrum, and it was Lyrum's first war prince, was was Prince Ciro. So it can't have been, like, super long ago, right? Okay. Anyway, Prince Ciro uh, saw this backward species that was intelligent, but... Their hosts were, um, you know, the only hosts on the homeworld were the Geds, who were basically nearly blind and stumbling and clumsy. Yeah, and, and he thought that these creatures should be able to travel the stars like, like Andalites did, so he gave them advanced technology. And then uh, the Yerks, at first it seemed like the right thing to do, but then the Yerks enslaved a species called the Nahara, and by the time the Andalites found out it was too late, and the Hortbajir, the Taxons, other planets, they spread like a disease. And millions, billions of free people have been enslaved or destroyed by the Yerks because of Ciro, because of the Andalites. Mm. Which is why the Andalites wow. fight the Yerks. And he explains that, and then he tells them everything else. And then they're like, okay, so now, now the true test of our friendship, the big question, how do you eat without a mouth? And he's like, oh, our hooves crush the grass and nutrients are absorbed into our system. And then we drink in the same way by putting a hoof into water. <laughs> They're like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. And then um, he does 
call the Andalite homeworld one more time. He gets Eslin to let him into the observatory. I don't remember how he blackmailed him into it. But anyway, and he tells Prince Lyrum that uh, Aloran Semitor Koras wants to tell his wife and children that he loves them and that he still hopes to be free someday. And so, then, so they didn't yeah. kill him, like, and they didn't like keep him away from the Yerks. So the Yerks got no. him back. Yeah, they just left. What? Wow, they didn't up. even like try to carry. Like, they couldn't like remorph all into bears and then just like together carry him away. Don't be ridiculous. Rachel's the only one with a bear morph, and there's they- another ship. A ship full of Hork-Bajir on its way. Like, how are they going to get him away? He can't morph. He's unconscious and full of snake venom. Yeah, they couldn't just, like, all morph into big things and, like, never mind. You know, it it doesn't matter. Do you know how easy a bunch of big things would be to hunt down in a bug fighter? Really easy. It it doesn't matter. I'm sorry. Poor poor guy. They just left him. Yeah. They left him and he becomes Visor 3 again later. They didn't even... Okay. This is fine. <laughs> and in the last sentence, you find out that Axe and Tobias are true Shorm. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. There was another <laughs> word, another vocab word that I guess I didn't highlight. I'm going to look for it real quick. You two talk amongst yourselves about this book. Uh, <laughs> Shorm, right? <laughs> Sh- Shorm. Shorm. Shorm it up. Shorm is a weird word. What? It's not a good mouth word. <laughs> so, do you think so, Katie? If mm. you were an alien who came to Earth to stop another alien species from invading, <laughs> and right, if there were <laughs> right if, and there were okay, I'm not going to go through this whole weird hypothetical thing. If you were in Axe's position, would you have killed Aislinn? Is it Aislinn? No, that's the Yerk. Would you have killed the, the I definitely would have fucking tried to get him out of there, or at least, like, tried to hunt down Visor 3. Like, it seems like they just let that thing slither away. He got into the river. Yeah, I yeah. I wouldn't Don't have gone... Don't they all have, like, water animals, So, like, too? I wouldn't have gone after the Yerk, especially after a Yerk got into one of the kids, like, a couple books ago. Like, oh, I can yeah, see how they true. wouldn't want to do that. But definitely, like, they all have big morphs because they have their battle morphs yeah. and all of them are big. So, like, why... I I still maintain that they should have tried to carry him away. Nami. Sh- Nami Especially agrees with me. <laughs> they... It does sound like their their battle morphs are really effective. Like, they defeated a whole, like, tower of controllers and stuff. So, like, yes, I get big ship coming is scary, but, like... They're kind of badass. Yeah, like, the badass, thing is, like, it, it sounds like they didn't even try. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't even try. I, that seems, well, I guess I don't know, but that seems out of character for the Animorphs. I want to be clear, I am kind of playing devil's advocate because I also had many questions about this scene. But consider this, a Yurk bug fighter has big old lasers on it. Mm-hmm. And it can shoot things that are on the ground. Mm-hmm. And big things are easy to hit. Okay, so consider this. In just the last book, they went into the Yerk pool, like the big place where all the Yerks are. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. if they were going to risk that, they couldn't risk just, like, trying to, yeah. like, make it to cover with this Andalite? Okay, but consider... Especially, and not just because, like, they would want to show him mercy because he's, 
you know, an Andalite. But that's such a good, like, strategic move, right? Because doesn't yeah. the Andalite now, like, know a bunch of shit about the Yerks? Right? Yeah. And, like, also is a badass, like, Andalite fighter anyway on his own. And so, like... And yeah. an adult, so they could finally have an oh adult to make their plans for them. Oh, my God. That's the real reason why this didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. They didn't have an adult. Yeah. They uh-huh. couldn't have an adult. Otherwise, what would this series even be? <laughs> Consider this also. In the last book, uh, when they were fighting those eight hork warriors up at the top, Rachel's arm got cut off, Marco ended up fighting while holding his own sliced stomach together to keep his organs in. Like, they all so, like, the thing is, I'm not so saying, close to being murdered. Like, I get that. I'm not saying that it for sure would have worked, but th- what I'm saying is they could have at least tried. Like, they could have said, let's try right. to get him out of here, and if we see the ship coming, because all they knew was that it was on its way, they couldn't actually see it yet. So, mm-hmm. like, let's try to get this guy out of here, and if we see the ship coming and feel like it's not going to work, we can, like, reassess, decide, like, are we going to drop him and make a break for it, or are we going to try to get him out of here? But, like, they didn't, and, like, they didn't kill him and, like, put him out of his misery knowing that he's going to have to go back to being a controller. They just straight up were like, mm, mm. not our problem, I guess, even though this is, like, literally the exact thing that is our problem that, like, is the thing that we're doing. Yeah. Also, right. this scene, when I, I remember especially when I was a kid, but also rereading it now, when the Andalite begs them to kill him, I was surprised none of the other Animorphs was like, this is the moral choice to make. Like, this is the thing yeah. to do. To it's it's Yes, it will give us personal gain, but also, this is what he wants. Right. Right. Like, why didn't Jake or Rachel, who's, you know, the most murdery They've, I mean, they've never killed anyone except for taxons, so maybe it's more of, like, a, a line they don't want to cross. It's interesting to think about, but the point is they didn't do it. Mm. Uh, I have another word for you. Are you mm-hmm. ready? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Estrine. 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 Would you like the spelling? Yes, please. E- Origins? <laughs> and a light. Can you use it in a sentence? Yes. <laughs> but not till after you guess what it is, because I think context will do it. Um, estrine. E-S-T-R-E-E-N. Can you tell us at what point in the book it was used? Yes, it is used at location 531. Okay, well, you know that's not what so- I meant. <laughs> <laughs> it's between... Uh, it, it happens when all the Animorphs come to confront Axe about what he did to Marco's computer, to Marco's dad's computer. Mm. Okay. Uh, I feel like maybe it's a name for, like, either an advanced society or, like, an unadvanced society or, like, like, it probably Axe uses it at some point when he's thinking, like, oh, they think I'm an Estrine or that I've done an Estrine <laughs> or that Estrine. <laughs> Nailed it, right? <laughs> so good. Katie? So good. Uh, I feel like it's uh, when you have like a really bad itch in a spot that you can't reach because you got a weird horse body. Mm. <laughs> that makes so much sense. <laughs> like under your tum? How, I, that would be really hard to scratch. Under your that. tum, yeah. <laughs> also or like, on, on, like right above your back hoof. <laughs> oh, yeah. How do you get back there? Oh, yeah. man. Those strains are so annoying. Mm, I'm saying. <laughs> All right, now I will use it in a sentence. Cassie is a natural estrine, a person oh, with an ability to make morphing almost almost artistic. 
On my planet, it's an art form. There are professional estremes who change shape in fantastic, beautiful ways. So Cassie, the best morpher, is... There's a word for, like, really good at morphing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Axe is not an estreme. He's as disgusting as anyone else when they morph. Huh. Cassie's just got a gift for it. Interesting. Yeah. So that's book eight. The Alien. Hmm. Starring Axe. The alien. Yeah, I have a lot of mixed feelings about this one, guys. Yeah, because of the because of the ending. Yeah, it bums me out. Yeah. Also, so is that all the secrets now, or does he have like more secret secrets that he's not sharing? <laughs> no, secret secrets hurt someone. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, but I feel like Axe does not know that. Yeah, no, he he promises to tell them everything, and he and Tobias are like true Shorm now, so it's legit. Does Tobias know that they're Shorm, or is it one of those friendships where one person is like, we're Shorm, and the other one is like, you're okay, I guess. <laughs> Tobias is like, I'm his Shorm, but he's not my Shorm? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Alex, uh, Axe and Tobias are, are best buddies. Okay. I, don't, I didn't get into that very much. This is actually the first book that kind of explores their relationship, but like... But they Shorm one another. They shorm one another. And Tobias also had, like, a very, very deep connection to Elfangor. Like, he felt so drawn to him, and it was hard for him to leave until Elfangor told him to run. Hmm. So, hmm. Tobias so, and Axe are, like, tight. Not only did Tobias lose his first love, Elfangor, the Andalite, but he also lost his second love, the Ladyhawk. Yes. Mm-hmm. Both to the Yurks. Like, the Yurks are really fucking up his love life, is what you're saying. Yeah, really all parts of his life, because I don't, I don't really touch on this, but uh, he is trapped in the body of a hawk forever. What? You never yeah. told me that. Yeah, you barely talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> is there going to be a time when, like, Axe starts getting jealous of Rachel? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, there is a part where, um, when he's morphed to human, he says, like, oh, my human's friends tell me that Rachel is beautiful and Marco is cute. As an Andalite, I don't really see it. But when I'm a human, I do see that Rachel is indeed beautiful. But I've never seen Marco Ugh. as cute. Hmm. Which is an interesting right. thing. Yeah. Marco's soup's cute. <laughs> I can dig it. I mean, he's like 13, so maybe keep it in your pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Good point. Good point. <laughs> but I was like 13 when I read this. Okay. Yeah. Remember when you watch Casper and at the end when yeah, Casper's I was just kidding, like it's Casper's rule. Yeah, Casper's <laughs> rule. If you were the same age as the kid when you thought the thought originally, it's okay. <laughs> Is it okay? Is it okay? Is it okay? <laughs> I'm gonna Google that later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so okay. So, like, earlier when you were talking about, um, that, like, the vice principal and the English teacher were both Yerks, and that, like, that probably meant everyone was Yerks. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I, we joked about it, but I do want to talk about, like, I, so I'm a teacher now, for those of you who don't know, and I put a lot of work into it, you know? Like, I spent a lot of time in school to become a teacher, and I really like what I do, Um, and I also really struggled with it. Like I had a hard time in school. There was, I mean, there was just so much, I mean, Katie and Robin both remember like how much writing I was doing all the time, getting a master's Mm, in writing. So much. Like I complained about it nonstop. You did. Yeah. Um, but also like. frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. (laughs) And I know that like I wouldn't have gotten through it alone. And of course, Katie and Robin were a big part of that, but also a huge part of that was the sharing. 
Oh. Yeah. Oh, nice. They, like, I don't know that we've talked about this aspect of the sharing before. Like, we've mentioned the sharing before on this podcast and how much we all love it. But I don't think we've talked about the the aspect of, like, real community and support that they really bring. Like, they, they really helped me feel supported. You know, it was great to just, like, be able to go somewhere and talk to people who, you know, had, like, similar struggles, who were going through similar things. There were other grad students there, and there were people who were sort of, like, already in the field that I wanted to go into, and it was great just to be able to, like, chat with those people and get some feedback and just see, you know, just to, like, talk to people and kind of, like, chill with them. And it it helped me – it really helped me feel better about, like, the path that I was taking, and it helped me get through, like, some of the tougher classes that I was taking and some of the tougher assignments I had to do. Um, And it really helped me when I started to question, like, do I really want to be a teacher? Like, now I don't know. Mm, Um, and it was great just to like be able to go to the sharing and share how I was feeling and just like Ah. have people to talk to and I just wanted to to give a shout out to the sharing because I thought it was really wonderful and Jessica can I just say it's it's so cool that you're a teacher who is not a controller like thank you not all teachers are controllers because you're obviously not yeah right exactly obviously went without saying I didn't even need to say that but like Right. That seems like a cool thing about the sharing, too, that it's, like, other teachers who are not controllers. It's Yeah, right. it's very much for humans like us. It's for like humans. Us. Like, for humans like, yeah, us. like us. It's for like, humans like, like us. Like yeah, who are just, like, me. completely normal and have completely normal human things that we have to do, and we do them at the sharing. Right. Yeah, like, teaching. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, finding a really good, ones. like, support system and all of that stuff that, like, humans do. That It's for humans like us. Yeah. So if I, you're interested in checking out, oh, were you going to say something? No, I was just going to say you never invited me to your sharing meetings when you were in grad school, but that's fine. Um, You were <laughs> not in the same city as me when I was in grad school. Well, whose fault is that? Yours. You left. Well, I, I found a sharing <laughs> chapter here and they helped me get through that too. Sorry, go on. <laughs> Um, so yeah, if you are interested in really just like finding people who can help you build that really awesome support structure just for anything that's going on in your life, <laughs> I talked about my time in grad school, but really there's so many people in the sharing, involved with the sharing. Like if there's something that you want to talk about, there's going to be someone there. They have a really phenomenal community. They're just great people who are willing to like share their stories with you. And it's totally awesome. If you're interested, oh go my God, to- the sharing. I just <laughs> okay (laughs) if you're interested (laughs) check out jointhesharing.org and you can find a chapter near you and And if you want to share your sharing story you should tweet at us and use the hashtag for humans like us and we might share your story on this podcast yeah and i I just want to touch on one great thing about the sharing is that Mm -hmm. It's always growing. There's always new people joining and like there's always someone new who you can meet there and like if you think maybe like your neighbor's not cool and then you find out they're a member of the sharing like it's just it's so awesome to find all these connections between people and just to find out how big the group really is. Like there's so many members of the sharing. Yeah. And it makes me super happy (laughs) to think about. Yeah. Same. So go to jointhesharing.org and tweet for humans like us. I know Jessica already said that, but I was just reiterating it. So I <laughs> yeah. And after also she said uh, check out all of our other podcasts on bitchteamalpha.com mm-hmm. and like us on Facebook and uh, follow us on Twitter. Yeah, and tweet at us on Twitter and use that hashtag. Mm. I really want to get some use out of that hashtag. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
Such a good hashtag. I don't know if I've made it obvious enough, but I would love if more people use that hashtag. <laughs> Please use that hashtag. Share your sharing story. Share your sharing story with us. Humans. Like you. Yeah, with us humans. <laughs> humans like you like us. Humans... <laughs> Humans do like us, also. That's true. something we haven't really explored. That's like, so Animal true. This discussion is a very popular yeah. podcast, and humans <laughs> like us. <laughs> humans do like yeah. us. Yes. That's a good topic for next time. <laughs> that is a good topic for next time. And until then, bitch team out. Bitch team bitch out. Bitch team out. <laughs>